0: My name is Jim Garrison, and I'm I'm here today because I'm I'm here to tell you that God is faithful. Looking back at my life, I'm I'm amazed at all the times He's brought me through things. Uh, I'm I'm reminded of, of Philippians one six, where it says that He who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. When I was in the Navy, you know, I was a a wandering young man, and, and um, I didn't know God. I had a classmate who once invited me to a um, a meeting. He was part of the Navigators group. I thought, well, that was interesting, and um, but he was kind of a Jesus freak, and I wasn't. I mean, I was all in in 1976 when I committed my life to him, but I had no idea what all in was. I just did an altar call and went down and I felt drawn, and I was learning about God. I wasn't so sure he knew me. Took my engineer's exam, and, and, and I failed that. And I thought it was pretty much the end of my naval career. But God had other plans for me, and after 30 years in the Navy, I ended up retiring at a higher rank than I thought I would ever be. When I had, um, Left the Navy, I was not exactly sure what I was going to do. I took a job with a company called World's Finest Chocolate. And I thought, well, I can do this for a temporary gig. And then, uh, after 32 years of being in sales and sales management of World's Finest Chocolate, he provided a separation bonus for me that basically helped me get started as a financial advisor. I just kind of look back on my life and I see how God has brought me through all these things. I I recognize, or I I learned, I guess for the first time, that that God is very fond of me. (laughs) And He loves me, and He cares about me, and uh, everything else just kind of dropped down to a lower level. It didn't matter. I'm reminded of of Hebrews uh, chapter 12. It says, So lay aside all encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. Now let us run the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. He is faithful. And he never gives up on me.
1: Man, thank you, Jim. I want to uh, remind some of you that it would not be discernment and wisdom for you to work at World's Finest Chocolates. You better just get that out of your mind right now, because that's not for everyone, but he could handle it, all right? I wanted to say just for a moment, like, I didn't know for sure what Jim was sharing in his story this morning. But as I watched it, I thought, you know, sometimes careers change two or three times. And what he found is that God was faithful every stop along the way. And uh, sometimes we have a plan, and we think we know what's going to happen, and things change and go a little bit differently. And I love what he said about that. And really, like, the the career did not define the man. But he decided that following Jesus was his identity, not his job. And maybe some of us today, uh, work is kind of uh, our identity, or maybe work is changing, or maybe we're kind of trying to figure out, well, who we are right now. Uh, Maybe the Lord just wanted to minister to you and remind you, don't get to the end of your life and say, like, work was my thing. Get to the end of life and say, Jesus, family, relationships, I put the right things in the right order. And so, Jim, thank you for challenging us and encouraging us with that message. Uh, A week from Thursday is Thanksgiving Day. I love Thanksgiving. Who does not love football, faith? food. I forgot the, that one. I did the, the wrong order. Now for me, in our church's history, we've had a 10 a.m. Thanksgiving Day service, like as long as I can remember. And so it's kind of strange to some of you, but we actually open up the church on Thursday morning at 10 a.m., and we gather for 60 minutes to honor God. Here's the crazy thing. America said we're going to set aside a holiday to give thanks to God. Did you know, it's to give thanks to God. And what I, what I learned from this is like I love coming to church because I spend one hour and I say, God, I'm going to start this holiday, not just vegging out immediately, because there will be plenty of that later. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this holiday, God, and I'm going to give thanks to you, and I'm going to be in your house. And there's nothing, like, supernatural or perfect about going to church on a holiday. But what I have found is that when you start your day with gratefulness any day, but certainly on the one day of the year, the whole nation sets aside to, like, thank God, that's a powerful way to start the day. So um, if you'd like to come on Thanksgiving Day and just, just uh, whole families together just saying, we are grateful and we are thankful to God. And we're going to go celebrate the rest of this day and there's going to be all those other fun things. But today we want to honor God first. Everything else just kind of falls into place and it's a beautiful day. So I want to invite you to church on Thanksgiving Day. If you have your Bible today, Acts chapter 9 is where we're going to be. And um, the title of the message is the day that everything went dark. And we're talking about Saul who eventually becomes the Apostle Paul and this is his road to Damascus experience. If you know the story, many of you do. The guy who ends up like writing a lot of the books in the New Testament inspired by the Holy Spirit for us, uh, the guy who was this great missionary. He's actually persecuting the church, and he's on his way to Damascus to arrest people. He's even overseeing the killing of people who follow Jesus. He's a Jew who's zealous for Israel and thinks that Jesus is not the Messiah and doesn't like his followers. And he's about to have a Jesus moment in his own life. It's a powerful time. And the Bible says that a bright light hit him, and, and for three days, he was blinded. Three days. I want to remind you this. Dark days give you time to think. And sometimes, when we're in some darkness, it forces us to pause and say, okay, who am I? Who do I want to be? Who was I created to be? Let me take this moment and, and make sure I stop and think. And people of that day, listen, no one in that day would have said, Oh, Saul, he's going to be an incredible Jesus follower. Like, no one would say that. Like, of all the people that's not going to follow Jesus, the one who's like persecuting and trying to kill him and arrest him, he's probably not one. And, and sometimes they go, Well, yeah, okay, get an incredible story. But listen, people who knew me when I was a freshman in high school, they're probably like, Peter Dagon is a Jesus follower. Like if they knew me junior or senior year, okay, then then life changed. Like Jesus really came in and really made a change in my life. So for some of us here today, like people might be surprised that you follow Jesus if you do. But no one is beyond God's reach, even this man. And it's an incredible, powerful uh, setting story of Acts chapter 9. So his name is Saul, not Saul, the first king of Israel in the Old Testament, uh, but Saul, the one who's alive at the time of Christ, And he's zealously persecuting those who follow Jesus. Upon his conversion in his faith, his name is changed from Saul to Paul. And just one more confusing thing in the Bible to try to remember, right? But listen, when God changes your purpose, he sometimes changes your name. He said to Simon, listen, you're going to be called Peter. You're going to be the rock. He says to Saul, you're going to be Paul. God has a new calling on his life. And you really can't understand this this Apostle Paul unless you know his story. And in Acts chapter 9, you hear his story. But listen, you hear his story throughout the the New Testament because everywhere Paul goes, he's sharing his story. He told his story, his testimony of finding and following Jesus over and over before kings, before Gentiles, before jailers. Uh, Anybody who would listen, he told his story and so should you. This man, Saul of Tarsus, he was religious. He was relentless. He was respected. Uh, He was a religious teacher taught by Gamaliel, who was known as the teacher of teachers. And and he even said, you know, everybody respected me as a zealous Jew. And he even was there when the first follower of Jesus was stoned to death. When Stephen was martyred for his faith in Jesus, the Bible says that Saul stood there and, and approved And they put their cloaks down at his feet, this this leader of the people. And he approved while a man was being horrifically killed in that barbaric day. This is Saul who we know. Beginning in verse 1 and 2, this is what God does in his life. Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went with the high priest and went to the high priest, and he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way, Jesus' people were called the way at that time, that he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. Saul is a bounty hunter, and he's got a group of men with him who have chains, literally carrying chains, heavy chains, to another city, and he has letters... From the church there saying, hey, arrest these people and bring them back here. Incredible. Paul is pursuing followers of Jesus who had fled Jerusalem to Damascus. And they're part of the synagogue there. And he travels 150 miles north, four to six days, just to arrest these people. Man, he is out for blood. And he came to physically chain them and return them. Verse 3. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, "Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me?" You know what I love about this verse is it doesn't say, Saul, why are you persecuting these poor people? They're trying to follow me." Like the Lord says, "Why are you persecuting me? Evidently when you mess with God's people, you're messing with God. Like He cares about his followers deeply. I love that understanding. Wow. Why do you persecute me? When you attack God's followers, he takes it personally. You're attacking him, evidently. What's so interesting is this man who is persecuting believers becomes a believer and endures perhaps the most persecution or close to it that any human ever has. Verse 5. Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus. Jesus. Can we just stop for a minute there? Like if you're like persecuting followers of Jesus and you're just like hell bent on throwing them in jail and when the voice says, and you say, who are you, Lord? And the voice says, I am Jesus. And you're you're Saul, you're like, "Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-oh. This is not good, right? I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Listen, God can, can pick you and give you an assignment no matter who you are. And I'm going to ask that in a question form today. Has God picked you and given you an assignment? Maybe God has said, I want you to raise this kid. And you're like, God, this was a tough assignment, right? <laughs> or maybe God has said, listen, I want you to lead this ministry. I want you to turn the place that you work in into a place that honors me. And you are an influencer. God has probably given you an assignment in your life. Some place where he wants you to serve and step out and and live for him. And it might appear like this comes from another person, maybe your your spouse or your pastor or someone else, but really it's an assignment from God. If that's true in your life, don't take that lightly. God has given you a divine, unique assignment in your life. Make sure you don't miss what that is. I love verse uh, 6 in the King James Bible. It kind of combines verses 5 and 6. It says this, And he, Saul, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And I don't think you need like a a light from heaven or a voice from heaven to stop in your life someday and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? I will do it. That's called like like teachability. That's called obedience. That's called like you're first, I'm second. I'm not doing what I want. I want you to tell me what you want me to do. What a powerful thing for you to say to God today and if you get tomorrow to wake up and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? Like I'll, I'll follow you. I'm after whatever you're after in my life. And what's interesting is God says this, and I love it. Go into the city, and you'll learn more later. <laughs> Come on, some of you are already angry. This is how it happens in my life. You say, God, I want to see my life now, and I want to see, like, to the end of my life. And God says, I'll show you today, right? And, and so many times we don't want the unknown. We want to know what's going to happen. Here's one reason why I think God only let you see as far as your headlights will show. is because if you could see, like, your entire life, it would freak you out. Right? Like, you're not capable of knowing all that. Secondly is this. God has asked you to walk in faith, not in complete knowledge of everything that's going to happen. So we are people of faith who walk in faith. God doesn't show you the entire picture. For Saul, he says, go into the city, and I'll give you further instructions. God gives you enough light to help you walk in faith. Verse 7. The men with Saul stood there speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they saw no one. And Saul picked himself up off the ground. If you read the book of Acts, Saul picks himself up off the ground many times. Oftentimes in a pool of blood, broken bones, joints that are probably out of joint because of his faith in Jesus. And I can't help but read this first time when Paul picks himself up off the ground that he has no idea the suffering that's part of his calling, and he will be doing that again and again. He picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Man, wouldn't it be so depressing to be able to see everything and all of a sudden one day be completely blind and dependent upon your friends and your, uh, around you? Like this guy who's like, I am Saul. I'm kind of important. I've come here with letters. I've come here with an entourage with chains. People are afraid of me. I am a teacher. I have power. I am zealous. Everybody knows I'm a high riser, up and comer. And suddenly this guy Saul who's so independent and so powerful is suddenly dependent upon his friends to actually like hold him and carry him. Watch out for that hole. No, you're going too far to the right. What a humbling experience for such a man. Listen, Paul is completely dependent. Um, Listen, the world tells you, man, be independent. Like, do your own thing. Become your own person. And I think the scripture says very clearly that God wants you to live dependent on him. Like, we're not like, I'm going to be independent. We're like, God, I need you. I'm going to depend on you. Like, this is how much I can accomplish without you. And this is how much I can accomplish if I'm dependent on God. So I'm not going to live here. I'm going to fully rely on God for his strength and his power in my life. That's what he's decided, to fully rely on God. It's a different life for a believer. God wants you to live dependent upon him. And I wonder what Paul is learning. Don't you wonder, like 72 hours of darkness, like what's going through his mind? I think he might be looking back and thinking about Stephen, seeing Stephen's face. The Bible says he had an innocent face, and he shared the gospel right before they killed him. And Jesus speaks to him, and then he's alone in the dark. And he's questioning everything. And Stephen has shared the gospel. He shared the history of the people of Israel that a Jew might understand fully. And then Stephen was killed. And Saul might have said, I oversaw that death. What are the thoughts going through his mind as he begins to think of the scripture and all of the scriptures of the Old Testament that pointed to the Messiah? What's happening in his mind during those 72 hours of darkness? I wonder where the letters were that Paul brought from the high priest, perhaps rolled up in a scroll, maybe at his feet where he can't even see them. They never make their way to the leader of the synagogue there. Paul was so uh, eager to accomplish so much on day one, and now he's stuck, and he's waiting, and it's a dark time in his life. Uh, Verse 10 says this. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. And the Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. You can go to Straight Street in Damascus today. Did you know that? The same street is still there. It looks a little different. When you get there, ask for this man named Tarsus, um, from Tarsus, named Saul. He is praying to me right now. God is speaking to Ananias in a vision, and he's saying, even as I'm giving you this vision, Saul is praying to me right now. God is aware when you're praying to him in those moments. He's praying to me right now. I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias, uh uh-oh, that's my name, coming in and laying hands on him so that he can see. Wow, what a moment. God sends one of his servants to help Saul. If you didn't catch the name of the man who lives on straight street, you got a man named Ananias, and you got a man named Judas. Ananias, at this point in, in, in like biblical history, Ananias is known as a man who lied to the Holy Spirit and, and fell down dead. And Judas, you might know his story and so what's interesting here is that these two names, which are not great names, it's almost like God restores these names. And maybe today you're, you're here and you're like, you're named after someone in your family that you're not proud of and you not you wish you weren't named after them. Maybe, like these guys, God could redeem the name by the way you live your life. That'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it? That you kind of redeem that name and start over. Maybe your last name, maybe your first name in your life. Verse 13. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to believers in Jerusalem, and he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls on your name. Listen, I've already heard that he's coming, like we the church, like we know he's here to persecute us, and Ananias drags his feet. And listen, sometimes people say something like this, God, you should do something about that, and God says, I am, I created you, I'm sending you. Ananias, God, you should go send someone. Yeah, that's what I'm talking to you about. If you're one of those people who's like, Pastor Peter, i got an idea for you, I'm probably going to say, maybe you should do something about that. Right? God says, Ananias, I'm sending you. And I know you've heard he's dangerous, and I know you're scared. But the Lord said, verse 15, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings, as well as the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Man, Paul is known for writing all those incredible letters that we have in the New Testament. And Paul is known as perhaps the greatest missionary the world has ever known. But to be honest, what I respect about him the most is how he faced suffering and how he didn't give up and just kept getting back up and living for the Lord in his life. Like the amount of suffering this man faced, and it's even in his calling here, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. The Lord said he will... Be my witness. He'll take my message to the Gentiles, the non-Jews. And he'll take my message before kings. And then finally, he'll also take my message to the Jews, his own people. What's fascinating about his story is you would think Paul, who knows the Jewish law better than almost anyone in that era, he would be called to reach the Jews. But God says, no, I'm going to use you to reach Gentiles. I'm going to take the burly fisherman who's not as educated as you in the ways of your people, and I'm going to use him to reach my people, the Israelites, the Jewish people. Listen, sometimes uh, we get upset with the Lord serving the Lord because we're trying to serve him in a way that he hasn't carved out for us. And maybe you're trying to serve God in a way, and God's going, no, I've actually called you to this person, not that person. I've called you to this ministry, not that one in your life. So Ananias, verse 17, went and found Saul. That took some guts, didn't it? Like God found somebody who would actually listen to his word and do it. Ananias went and found Saul and he laid his hands on him and he said this, Brother Saul. Like, Brother Saul? Like, hey, Saul, I know you came here to kill me, but God sent me to you. Like, I would have some attitude maybe when I show up there. And he speaks to him as if he's already a brother. What a powerful thing for Ananias to call this man who persecutes the church. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me. So that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and he was baptized. And afterwards he ate some food and regained his strength. Listen, Ananias enters Paul's life and is his first friend in Christ. He didn't have any friends in Christ. But this guy who we don't know outside of this one incident, like he shows up. He serves God boldly, passionately, and then he disappears in history. But he's his first friend in Christ, and he calls him his brother, and he prays for him, and listen, he probably baptizes Saul. I will be your friend. I'm going to call you my brother. I'm going to pray for you. God's going to heal you. I'm going to baptize you in water. You know, for every powerful person that's used incredibly by God, someone like Saul who becomes Paul there's an Ananias right? If somebody who goes I don't need the attention, I don't need the acclaim, let me know if that's my microphone. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna serve. And I think this Ananias guy he's a hero and Paul needed not just Ananias, Paul needed Silas. Paul needed Timothy, Paul had Barnabas. And I just wonder if some of us, we're not called to support, to believe in, to stand up for someone while God elevates them and say, I'm part of his success. I'm raising that kid. I'm supporting that leader. That person has that call in their life that scares them. I'm gonna help make sure that they succeed and they don't quit. Man, if you were an Ananias to someone, you're you're, you're vital in your role. If that's your assignments from God, then do it with all your heart because maybe the Pauls of the world don't do everything God's called them to do if we don't come underneath them and help them. Paul had witnessed Stephen's death. Paul had sought the Lord for 72 hours in the dark. Perhaps the gospel message that Stephen spoke was inside of him. And he began to think about the scriptures he knew. Perhaps it took some time for the gospel to really set in his life. Some of you, you're teaching your kids follow Jesus sometimes it takes a while for that message to really sink in and take hold don't give up it's fascinating Paul first thing he says is take me to water I'm getting baptized I don't care if suffering is my calling take me to water I'm following Jesus the rest of my life if we have time to read on verse 19 Saul stayed with the believers a few days in Damascus the reality is this, no one trusts him. Yeah, right. He's going to try to get all of us in one place. All of the people who heard him were amazed. They said, isn't this the same one that caused all the devastation among Jesus' followers? And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains as to the leading priest? When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, verse 26, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him, the Bible says. And they did not believe that he had truly come as a believer. Watch what happens here. So beautiful. Paul has, Ananias has slipped away. Paul's got a story. A lot of people who come to torture you come with a good story. And then they betray you. But in verse 27 of Acts chapter 9, they didn't believe that Paul was fully a believer. They didn't trust him. And then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He told them how Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. And do you know that the church believed in Saul because of Barnabas' word? That this man had so much integrity that they said, if Barnabas says it, it must be true. Wow. Well, I hope that you're a person like, with that kind of integrity that when you speak, people will listen and say, we'll trust him because that's how deeply we trust you. That's a life of integrity lived for years in front of others. And I didn't know it was going to happen today this way, but I just get a sense that the Lord is saying to some of us today, like, I called you to be an Ananias. I called you to be a Barnabas. I called you to make sure that someone else gets a chance to shine that you get to make somebody else great, and you'll be in the in the background, and it's okay. If someone has a call of God in their life, would you support them? Would you speak life into them? Would you bless them? Would you do whatever you can to make them a success? And maybe we don't see Ananias' name in the rest of Scripture, but we see the man that God used. Paul was sent to the desert. He was preaching. He was fleeing. He was arriving somewhere new. Paul goes to the desert, and listen, he receives in the desert not a doctorate of divinity, but a doctorate of the deserts. He gets to get rewired a little bit by the Holy Spirit. Don't give up on your ministry. Don't throw in the towel because you don't see the results. Don't say, I can't ever follow Jesus. Look at this guy. He's like murdering and arresting people. So if you walk into church, the church is not going to burn down. If you're watching online you're like, I do the safe thing because nobody knows I'm checking out the claims of Jesus. If God can reach Saul, why can't he reach you? So can we bow our heads together? And the first thing I want to challenge you with is this. There are dark days in life And sometimes we can glean those dark days and bring good from them. They give us time to think. They give us time to cry out to God. And God gives us an assignment. He's probably already given you something specific to you. If it's from God, don't let anything stop you from that. Lord, what would you have me to do? In church, maybe today there's somebody in your life And God has said, I want you to be an Ananias to them. I want you to be a Barnabas to them. I want you to support them, to believe in them, to help them, to encourage them, to speak life into them. And if a name comes to your mind, would you just take a moment and just slip up your hand and say, God, I will support them, believe in them, encourage them. I hear what you're saying. Go on, really high. Just raise your hand. I will be an Ananias. I'll be a Barnabas to that person. You're so important. You're so needed. He or she is not going to be everything that God has created him to be without you. Step up. Maybe you're here today and you haven't been following Jesus. Today's a great day to start over. Maybe you don't feel like you're worthy because you know so many other people who are raised in church or they haven't made the mistakes you've made recently or their relationship with God seems to be alive and you seem to be dry. But today you're inspired if, if Saul can turn his murderous threats into one who suffers and shares the light of Jesus. Maybe, just maybe, you could start fresh in the Lord as well. So I'm going to give you a chance. You can do this online also. I need to start over in my relationship with God. I need to start new. I need God's help in my life. Go ahead, raise it really high. I need God's help to follow him. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can put your hands down. And finally, this one, which was not mentioned in the last service. It's kind of hard to even say. But for some of us, part of your calling includes suffering. It may have nothing to do with anything you've brought on yourself, it's just part of who you are in following Jesus and living this life. And we're going to pray for you if suffering is going to be part of your life, your entire life. And we're going to pray with compassion and pray grace upon you that your suffering would not turn you away from God. But toward God. Just so I know, if you're here live in the room and suffering's part of your calling, would you raise your hand? I want to just pray for you with compassion for you. Maybe you lost your best friend. Maybe you've got an affliction in your body. Maybe you've got people who make fun of you for your faith. Anybody else? Suffering's part of my calling. Yeah. Let's pray. Lord, life is not equal for all of us, not even close. And Lord, there's some of us here that suffering is just going to be part of the journey. It just is. Paul accepted that. He said, God's grace is sufficient for my weakness. God's grace is sufficient even in my suffering for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Lord, we just pray compassion and sympathy and peace over everyone who's in that position. And God, for those of us who are here today and you've called us to support someone, to believe in someone, to watch someone rise because we poured into them. God, make it so significant and joyful to get to pour into someone and and see who they become in their faith. And Lord, for others of us today is a day where we start over in our faith and we're becoming alive and new in you. God, for everyone online responding as well, God, let us be inspired and renewed today. Lord, thank you for one man's life and turning to you. And thank you for redeeming the darkness and helping us to be true followers of Jesus in every sense. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Aren't you glad you came to church? Man, this is awesome. God is just doing great things. And listen, uh, the Bible says you are to edify or build each other up when you come together to gather. So usually what I say is this, if nothing else, tell someone that they have a nice shirt on today, all right? You want to go a little deeper, tell them their hair looks nice. If you want to go deeper still, tell them something about their character and be thankful and grateful for them this month. All right, God bless you. Have a great day.